He's truly worthy. Amen. You know, I was thinking this week as we were at youth camp and through the events of some of the services, the thought that God inhabits the praises of His people just kind of set down in my spirit and I just begin to kind of meditate upon that and look at that. And when you look at what that really means, it means that He dwells where people are praising Him. And so many times I think we... may be guilty of not giving Him all the praise that He's worthy of. I know that there have been times in my life that I've prayed and asked the Lord to do certain things, and, and I, I don't mean anything huge. I mean just you know something that would seem to be small or maybe even insignificant to some, and then the Lord do that, and I'd be quickly reminded, I, I need to praise the Lord for that. Because God answered a prayer, amen? So, it's always important to worship the Lord and to give Him praise, amen? It's good to be in the Lord's house today. It's good to have some very dear friends of ours visiting from Texas, the Briggs family. And we're thankful that they're here today and and in service with us. I'm just thankful the Lord's here, amen? Amen. I look around and you can tell it's summertime. Amen. We had 92 last week, and we've got some folks that are out and about today, but Jesus is not on vacation. Amen? Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 37, and while you're turning there, I wasn't asked to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. If you are familiar with the More Monthly magazine, or if you're not, you're becoming familiar with it, they have got on the front page a picture of Derek... And the documentary steps, and there's an article in here, and, and I'm appreciative that Connie picked up a copy of that for me so I could enjoy that article while I've been at camp all week. If you don't pray for anything else this week, pray it not rain four out of five days at camp this week. <laughs> it makes difficult situations when you've got that many kids and you've got to figure out what to do when it's raining. At any rate, pick up a copy of the More Monthly and read that article. Watch the documentary if you haven't done so already. I know it will be a blessing to you uh, as Derek's story is being told and he is getting ready to compete in the Paralympics and we're keeping track of that. Amen? Amen. Isaiah 37, I have wrestled with what to preach today. I was headed one direction and the Lord woke me up. Well, I won't blame that on the Lord. But I was awakened this morning, and my mind went to today's message and went a different direction. Matter of fact, I told Pawnee, I said, I, here's my text, but I'm not sure I'm going to preach that. If I don't preach that, I'm going to go over here. So we'll just see what the Lord wants to do. Amen. Isaiah chapter 37, this is where the Lord took me to in the wee hours of the morning this morning. And I know it's for a purpose. Because everything that he does is for a purpose. Amen. Isaiah 37, begin reading in verse number 14. The Bible says, Then Hezekiah took the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And he went up to the house of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, saying, Lord of armies, 
God of Israel, who is enthroned above the cherubim. You are the God. You alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made the earth. Incline your ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. And listen to all the words of Sennacherib, who sent them to taunt the living God. Truly, Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste all the countries and their lands and have thrown their gods into the fire, for they were not gods but only the work of human hands, wood and stone. So they have destroyed them. But now, Lord, our God, save us from his hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. Can we pray? Father, we love you. We thank you for your spirit, your power, your presence, and your anointing today. And God, I'm asking you, God, to anoint these lips of clay to minister your word to your people. God, I pray that you'd anoint every ear to hear, anoint every heart to receive from your word today. And God, I just ask you for the next few moments, God, that you would speak through me to your people. God, let nothing proceed out of my mouth except that which is authored by you. And God, I pray that it will rest upon the hearts and the minds of your people. God, that it would penetrate our spirit. And God, that it would cause us to be challenged and our faith to be encouraged. And God, that we would look unto you as the author and the finisher of our faith. In Jesus' name we pray and the church said, Amen. You may be seated this morning. There is no doubt that we live in times of trouble. We live in difficult times. It seems like everywhere you turn, somebody's in trouble. If you're not in trouble, then somebody you know's in trouble. And if you wait long enough, you'll get in trouble and need the Lord. Matter of fact, there was a song, I'm going to date myself here. Now, I'm not, I wasn't born when this song was written, but I'm going to date myself because some of you whose hair testified to your wisdom will remember this song, and some of you who are not that old probably have never heard of it before. But the song was written in 1942, and the lyrics go something like this. Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedom we all hold dear now is at stake. Does anybody recognize those lyrics? I see, I knew those of you whose hair says that you're wise would uh, recognize those lyrics. But do you realize that, that song could have been written today? Humbling your hearts to God saves you from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod. Christians awake. We are living in troubled times. We are living in a time when God's people are under attack. If you truly stand for biblical values and biblical principles, then you're going to be attacked. I talked about a little bit of that last week. But the reality of it is... God is not looking for people who are going to be persuaded to bend and bow with every little thing that comes their way. 
Somebody needs to stand up and have a backbone. Let me, let me say it like this. We have long been guilty in the church world that if we stand up for ourselves or we stand up for God, then we are being confrontational. People will even say things like this. You're not supposed to be that way if you're a Christian. Well, if you want the Jesus that died for you, that's great. Nothing wrong with that. But you also have to have the Jesus that flipped over some tables and drove some people out of the temple with some whips because they were buying and selling in the temple. And he said, my house should be called a house of prayer, not a den of thieves. If, 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 you want the, if you want the Jesus who went to Calvary for you, then you've got to have the Jesus that talked about, oh, ye generation of vipers. You can't always just say, well, because you're Christ-like, you always have to be meek and humble. Yes, you have to be that way, but you don't have to let nobody run over you. Is that all right? And if you stand up for biblical values and biblical principles, you're going to be under attack. King Hezekiah was under attack. Let's look at some things that Hezekiah did when he came under attack. I'm going to get in trouble before I get out of here. I can tell you already. Look at the text. Hezekiah took the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. I don't like letter writers. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm going to just go ahead and thank God I've not gotten any letters since I've been here so I can say this without any prerequisite of having received a letter or anything like that. I don't like letter writers. If something is eating at you bad enough, you come see me face to face and let's talk about it. And if all you're going to do is write a letter, keep your pen, keep your ink, keep your printer ink and your printer paper to yourself. Listen. Why you say that, preacher? Because that's not scriptural to write a letter. But it is scriptural to go to somebody. I've had a letter written to me before. You know, keyboard warriors can say a lot of things when they don't have to put their name to it. I had an anonymous letter mailed to me one time, but there was no signature at the bottom. And I thought, well, if you're that upset about something, why didn't you put your name on it? Right? So King Hezekiah took the letter from the hand of the messengers and he read it. I read the letter that was sent to me and I probably shouldn't have because I got mad. Then I had to pray and repent. But it said he went up to the house of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. So here's what Hezekiah did. When trouble came his way, he went to the Lord's house. Too many times people do the opposite. They drop out of the place of worship. The minute something difficult comes their way, you don't see them in church anymore. You know why that is? I have a theory on that. Because anytime we get closer to God, the devil's going to meddle more. But if we'll step away from God, the devil leaves us alone. Hello, somebody. But Hezekiah went to the house of the Lord. But too many times people will drop out of the place of worship. This only compounds the problem because it takes them to a place of isolation. Hezekiah was wise enough to know that on the onset of trouble that it gave him even more reason to go to the temple. 
when you find yourself in a difficult situation, don't retreat from the Lord's house. Run to the Lord's house. Find a way to get there. Hello, somebody. If you've got to have somebody come pick you up, get yourself to the Lord's house. Why? Because there's strength in numbers. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, the Lord says, there I will be. Sometimes you need to be in the Lord's house so you can draw strength from brothers and sisters in the Lord. Sometimes you need to be in the Lord's house just because the presence of the Lord is going to be there and He can deal with a lot of the things you're troubled with. Not sitting at home and or sitting at home is not going to fix your situation. Staying away from the Lord's house is not going to help you. There is no better place than church to face your trouble. There's not a bar room. There's not a bottle. There's not a psychiatrist couch. But the house of God is the best place to get what you need. Listen, why is it so important that you run to the Lord's house? I don't know about you, but anytime I've ever found myself in a difficult place, in a difficult situation, I've always found the peace that I need, the relief that I need, the presence that I need at the Lord's house. I've always found it in His presence. Why? Because when Jesus walks into a room, everything changes. The atmosphere shifts. And what the enemy has meant for trouble and harm, God can turn it around and use it for your good and for His glory. Whatever you do, don't stay away from the Lord's house. Run to it. Well, why the Lord's house? Where else are you going to go? I mean, I've not found any other place to get what I get at the Lord's house. David said it like this in Psalm 73 too. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. Then in Psalm 73, 16 and 17, David found an answer. He said, when I thought how I understand this, it was painful for me until I went to the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their end. What are you saying? I'm just simply trying to tell you that people are going to come up against you. People are going to challenge you. People are going to cause you trouble. But if you'll get in the Lord's house, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And when they come against you, he's capable of taking care of you and them. And you will stand and see the salvation of the Lord. My Lord. I kind of like David's attitude about the Lord's house. Psalms 122.1 I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Meddle a little bit. We got too many on the flip side of that verse. It goes, Oh, it's Sunday again. Some people go to church just so they can feel good about having gone to church. Hello, somebody. I know none of you have ever been guilty of this, but I will be very transparent with you and I'll raise my hand and I'll tell you I have been guilty of this. We may need to edit the live stream. But there have been times that I have just got up and went to church just because I didn't want somebody to ask me where I was when I wasn't at church. 
But I've just about got to the point to where I'm bold enough to look at them right in the face and say, it ain't none of your business where I was. But thank you for noticing. Hello? I mean, because, because there's sometimes that we're not there because of certain situations that we don't need to be sharing with everybody. Right? Right? But I'm talking about not laying out of church. I'm talking about there's a difference when you just don't go because you just don't want to get up and go. And you let, you let the enemy just pull you further and further and further and further away. Hezekiah went to the Lord's house. Look at what David said. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Psalm 92, 13. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. If you want to flourish, get to church. Get to the Lord's house. Psalm 69, 9. Because zeal for your house has eaten me up. And the reproaches of those who approach you have fallen upon me. The zeal for your house has eaten me up. When was the last time you were so excited about going to church that the zeal of the Lord just overtook you? Psalm 26, 8, David said, Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house, the place where your glory dwells. Hebrews 10, 25, uh-oh, this is the one you didn't want me to get to. Not forsaking the assemblings of yourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. What does that mean? That means the closer we get to Jesus, the more we need to be in his house. You say, well, preacher, I've had people tell me, well, it ain't necessary to go to church to be saved. Well, it may not be. But if trouble's always coming our way, who are we assembling ourselves with? Sometimes, sometimes the company we keep is the reason trouble's coming our way. Sometimes the circle of people that we are in, that we are supposed to be influencing, is influencing us. I'm going to go ahead and say this to all you unmarried people. Now see, a few weeks ago I talked to the married people and all you single people went, but today I'm going to talk to the single folk and all the married people can go, right? But I'm going to tell all you unmarried people something. As the shepherd over you, who is been placed over you to give you instruction, don't you go looking for some mate that's not in church. Don't be trying to tell me with your super spiritual, all shined up halo self that all preacher, if I marry them, I'll get them in church. 99.9% of the time, you get pulled out of church more than you pull them into church. Oh, I'm going to preach right here. I had somebody tell me this one time, and I never really quite understood it, and I never really quite grasped it until I heard it put like this. They said, my mama used to say, the pull down is a whole lot stronger than the pull up. You know what that means? That they'll pull you down a whole lot quicker than you'll pull them up. So what am I supposed to do? You need to run to the house of the Lord and allow the zeal of the Lord to overtake you and allow yourself to be so consumed by the Lord that the trouble of your singleness is only found in a mate who is in the house of the Lord. 
You say, preacher, I've been waiting a long time. That's because God's still trying to get him fixed for you. Or God's still trying to work on her for you. You don't want him and you don't want her before they're ready. I only heard the wives say that's right. I don't know what that meant. You men must be smarter than I am because... Listen, God knows where you are. There's trouble in our life. We, we, we can identify trouble. We can identify things that come against us. We can identify the challenges that come. But you know what we don't want to do? We don't want to really get down to where the rubber meets the road and identify that sometimes I get my own self in trouble. Sometimes I get my own self in trouble. You still need to retreat to the house of the Lord. Listen. Don't forsake your assemblings of yourselves together. Sometimes you need to break some circles. You need to break some friends. You need to quit hanging around some folk. Hello, somebody. Hezekiah went to the house of the Lord. Now, if they're not going to the house of the Lord with you, just keep going to the house of the Lord. The second thing he did was he sought the Lord immediately. Look at what it said. He went up to the house of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. Look at verse 15. Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. He sought the Lord immediately. Now I'm not reaching here and I'm not trying to grab something that's not implied in Scripture. This is absolutely the truth. It was not his last resort. It was his first place. He didn't consult with military advisors or neighboring monarchs as to what to do about the letter writers. He didn't consult the allies and say, well, what do you think? Oh, no. All other resources were secondary. He moved towards solving his problem by seeking God's help. When was the last time you found yourself in trouble and you sought the Lord's help first and foremost? Let me just tell you something. If you don't listen to anything else I say, you better write this down. You better put it on your Facebook page where all of your troubles are at. You better blow up your Twitter feed where all your troubles are at because we got to post everything on social media today. Nobody cares that you had a broccoli, spinach, cheese dip soup or whatever you call it. Whatever, it don't matter what you dip. It, nobody cares about that. I've heard people say social media is a bad thing. It doesn't have to be. It can be a good thing. So if you, don't, if you don't get anything else I say today, get this right here. Listen. You will never delay victory by stopping and seeking God's help. You will never delay a victory by stopping and seeking God's help. But what you might do is expedite it. Matthew 6.33 Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Hebrews 13, 6, so we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. My Lord, what do you need to do? Pray. Get off of Facebook. Get off of social media. Get off the telephone and pray. Seek God first. Let everything else become secondary. Take it to the Lord first. Cry out to God first. Why? Because he never sleeps. 
He never slumbers. And he's listening for the sound of your voice. Hmm. You know what? I've always struggled with something. Can I just be honest with you right here? I've always struggled with this. This is going to help some of you because some of you struggle with this too. I just know. I've always struggled with this. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Everybody said, oh, no. How many of you truly believe that God knows the end from the beginning? Okay. How many of you truly, well, that's, that's scriptural, so it's safe to believe that, right? How many of you believe this? How many of you believe that God knows what we have need of even before we ask? Now raise your hand. That's scriptural, too. It's safe to, it's safe to raise your hand right there. So this is what I've always struggled with, Brother Mike. If God knows what I have need of even before I ask, why do I have to ask? Hello? I have, a, I, have, I, have a, I have a theory on this. Because there's no good gift that the Father will withhold from His children. Why do I have to ask? You want me to tell you why you have to ask? I used to struggle with this. I don't struggle with it very much anymore. How many of you have ever struggled with that? Oh, some of you are going to be honest. Raise your hand. Okay, okay. Here, here's, here's, why you, here's why you have to ask. Because when we go to God and ask for His help, it is an admittance of no longer being reliant upon ourselves, Dependent upon ourselves. It is a confession and an admission that we need God's help. That's why we have to ask God. That's why we have to pray. Stop making prayer a last resort and make it the first option. Now, number three. Watch this. He spread it out before the Lord. He laid the whole problem before the Lord. Hezekiah didn't make an attempt to answer Sennacherib's letter, but simply referred it to the one who could do something about it. Ha <laughs> ha. Look at what he said. Lord of armies, God of Israel who is enthroned above the cherubim. You are God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You made heaven and earth. This is what he's praying. Incline your ear, Lord, and hear. Look at what he said. He said, open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to all the words of Sennacherib who sent them to do what? To taunt the living God. Now, if you don't have any other reason to pray, if you don't have any other reason to run to the house of the Lord, I'm going to teach you something right here that you need to get a hold of. And when you get a hold of this, it could revolutionize your life. Is that okay? So if you ain't listening to anything else I've said up to this point, listen to this. When we are living for God and we are completely 100% sold out to Him, faithfully serving Him, and the enemy begins to come against us and trouble us. He is not coming against us. He is coming against the God that is inside of us. Oh, can you back that up scripturally? I just so can. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And Hezekiah even said it right here. He said they have come to taunt the living 
God. The letters went to King Hezekiah. They were letters of trouble. They were letters of difficulty. But Hezekiah did not embrace the problem. He did not embrace the trouble. He laid it before God. And he said, God, I've received this. But it doesn't belong to me. It's your situation. It's your problem. They didn't come to taunt me. God, they come to taunt you. We got to quit making everything about us. Can't believe they said that about me. They saying it about the God that's in you. That's why your spirit is troubling their demons. Don't get me started. That's another sermon for another day. They're taunting the living God. That's why Paul wrote, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. That's why I'm always hesitant to use this scripture. Because I always hear people throw this scripture out there about preachers and evangelists and pastors. And nothing wrong with that. It includes them. But, it, but God never said in his word that this word, this verse was exclusive to preachers. Is that okay? It doesn't say that before this verse. That's why the Bible says, touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. That includes all of God's anointed, whether they're pulpiteers or not. But the fact of the matter is, Hezekiah pointed this out and he says, they sent them to taunt the living God. He laid the whole problem before the Lord. He was not only willing to seek the Lord's counsel, but he was willing to accept the Lord's answer. Now here's where we have a difficulty sometimes. We want to say, well, I prayed about it. But there's a difference in just praying about it and accepting the Lord's way of handling it. Because oftentimes the Lord doesn't do it the way we want Him to. The Lord's not going to do it the way we think He should. Hello. But he was willing to accept the Lord's answer. Too often we chart our own strategy, draw up our own plan for deliverance, and then ask God to ratify it when we have already worked it out without consulting him. I said a whole lot. Let me just sum it up for you like this. God, this is the way I want you to do it. Now bless it. It don't work that way. Because God can see further down the road than we can. So you've got to understand one thing. You've got to trust God, not just to pray for the problem, but to follow Him through the problem. We hesitate to completely surrender our needs to God because we don't understand His methods in dealing with them. Isaiah 55, 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. But He laid the whole problem before the Lord. And He prayed to God. He did not merely spread the letter out before God, but he talked to him about it. Surely God could read it for himself, but he desired to hear the urgent pleading of his servant. That's why I said God wants to hear your voice. Listen to what he says in verse 18. Truly, Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste to all the countries in their lands and have thrown their gods into the fire. For they were not gods, but only work of the human hands, wood and stone. So they have destroyed them. But now, Lord, our God, save us from his hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. I have found that I can get more things done with God when I say for your glory, not that I receive the credit, but God that you be glorified. I'm almost done. 
he ran, he went to the house of the Lord. He sought the Lord immediately. He laid the whole problem before the Lord. God answered the prayer. 2 Kings 19.35 And it came to pass on a certain night that an angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. And when people arose early in the morning, there were the corpses all dead. All 185,000. 185,000. Let me just tell you something. And I talked last week about Jesus' resume. And I talked about the fact that when you look at Jesus' resume, there's many things on his resume. Of course, we didn't have time to exhaust all of it. But I'm just going to remind you of some things about God. He can open his mouth and slay 185,000 people. Why do we not seek him first? Why do we not run to his house and lay the problem? Give the problem over to him. The whole problem, not part of it, not half of it, not a piece of it, but the whole problem. God, take all of it. It's yours anyway. Let's consider God's resume. Well, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon the servant of God and he outruns chariots. That's the God that you serve. A jawbone in the hand of God's man can mow down an entire army. Hello, somebody. One jawbone in one man's hand. A little shepherd boy on the battlefield before the giant. When all they could see was a shepherd boy, but what they couldn't see was God on the battlefield. And he slew the giant. What are you saying, preacher? Why, when we have account after account after account of story after story in this book, that we fail to take God at his word? We need to just go ahead and just talk about this right now. This is a book of history as it records things that happened in the past. We agree? It's not just a historical book, but it is about a God who, as I preached last Sunday, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's the oldest book that's ever been written, but it's the only book that's still up to date with current events. I'm talking about a God who knows the end from the beginning. I'm talking about a God who knows what you're walking through. He knows what you're dealing with. And if you'll just give it over to him and submit yourself to him, he will take you through it. By whatever means necessary. I just don't see how. That's because it's God's way, not your way. Hello, somebody. I mean, if he can cause manna to fall down out of the sky to feed his people... Hello. If he can cause a widow at Zarephath to bake a cake for the prophet of God. And from that day forward, as long as the drought was in the land, there was always enough meal in the barrel and oil in the cruise that she could go over there and make some food for her and her son. That's the same God. I said, that's the same God. If, if, if it's the same God, and it is the same God, that at the beginning of time when he said, in the beginning God, the Bible says, created the heavens and the earth and he spoke this earth into existence. Let there be light and light came and 
the sun and the moon was ruling the day and the night. If it's the same God as we read about in Genesis, and it is, that in the beginning of time, he took his finger and he carved out a brook and he named it Cherith. You say, well, that seems to be insignificant, not when you take into account that the man of God had to have a place to sit and drink. You see, God always does things for a purpose. But sometimes I get in trouble because of myself. But even if I get in trouble because of myself, He's still willing to help me walk through it. The question becomes this. When the trouble comes, what are you going to do? When the trouble comes, how are you going to handle it? What are you going to do when something comes your way that you didn't see coming? Stand with me all over this house.